welcome to the Credit Union Overtime Podcast, produced and presented by the Credit Union Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. Today, we have Kevin Olson with us to discuss his webinar on FedNow, Faster Payments, Future Feasibility. For most of the past two decades, Kevin Olson has been managing the development and delivery of education services, including in-person, web conferences, and webcasts. Kevin creates programs, presentations, and articles designed to orient and educate financial professionals on electronic payment topics. As the payments professor, he brings enthusiasm and motivation to presentations. He views the world as a classroom, which is exemplified in the motivating, informative, and fun style of training he uses to educate and inform all on the latest developments and trends in the fascinating world of electronic payments. Well then, with that, Kevin... Thank you so much for taking the time to make a podcast with me today. Welcome to our show. All right. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Sure is. Um, now, Kevin, to get us started today, I had a few questions for you about your FedNow webinar. Uh-huh. And so just to jump into it, my first question is, why should we be focusing on FedNow as a subject right now and considering it as a payment service in our institutions? You know, that is a, like the million dollar question to answer right now. When you look at the future of what's happening with payments, and it's a huge future, you've got to really look around the globe to see what's coming to America is one of the ways to put it. And I don't mean the movie reference, even though it's a great movie, but the payments that are coming to America. When we look globally, faster payments are really taking over in a lot of different areas. Well, maybe not taking over, but they're definitely complementing existing payment channels. We're definitely seeing a high rise in volume and a rise in demand and a rise in need for faster payment solutions. And in the U.S., while we do have some faster solutions already in place, FedNow, coming from the Federal Reserve Banks, is poised to be able to take over and really dominate the faster payments network. But when it comes to working within a financial institution and making change or adapting to change or looking at the opportunities that are going to be out there and be available, it takes time and it takes effort. We're looking at a 2023 release of FedNow. And though here we are late 2021, you got to get started now so that you get the people involved, so that you have the strategy, so that you have the plan in place to be able to go live as early as possible when FedNow goes live, because this is one of those things, one of those major changes in the industry that you don't want to be the last one to come to the table at. Definitely. And Kevin, I know you um, kind of got into really the nitty gritty of the FedNow and how it's going to work, but I know you mentioned in the presentation uh, that the functionality of FedNow is going to include the use of ISO 2022 standard. What does that mean? What is the ISO 2022? That's a great question I get all the time because people are like, what is this? Is this like some alien language? And unless you're a computer program, it basically is. Because <laughs> ISO 2022, let me break it down you know, as simply as I can. Okay, this is the job as a payments professor. Let's take this complicated subject. Let's make it easy to understand. It's just the file format. That's all it really is. When we look at remote deposit capture, they have what we call ICL file format that they go by. When we look at ACH transactions, there's the NACHA ACH file format that everybody's got to follow so that we're on the same standard so that 
all the different institutions out there are able to exchange files, exchange transactions, and know that they're going to be on the same standard so that they're read in the same way that it's supposed to. You wouldn't want to send $10 on one side and it be read as 100 on the other side. And that's why we have a formatting standard. Well, the ISO 2022 standard, it's, it's relatively new as far as file formatting standards when comparison to some of those older ones I mentioned. And that's because it's built to be able to go faster. It's built to be able to do more. It is a file standard that's used uh, mostly around the globe for most file faster uh, payment systems. Now, it's not actually in use in all faster payment systems, but a majority, I'd go almost 90% plus are using it for that. When we look at RTP, which is available today from the clearinghouse, that faster system uses ISO 2022. And I mentioned that because, well, I got to put a little asterisk on the ISO 2022 file format itself. It is actually a little bit customizable, let's say. It is a little unique depending on how or who's using it. And the Fed will be using that standard because, again, it's globally recognized, but it will be slightly different than what we see offered from RTP. And it will be slightly different than what we see offered in other payment channels because it will be somewhat unique to how the Fed will be offering FedNow. But at its basis, ISO 2022, it's just the format that your files have got to be in. And I tell people, don't worry about that format so much. Leave that one up to the programmers. Awesome. And so we've got these file formats that are intended to be for super fast use. FedNow is intention is intention to just be faster. So how does FedNow compare to other instant payment systems like same day ACH or others like that? Well, it's really great because the question you got to answer first is what is faster? Like you just mentioned same day ACH. And I, I remember it was, it's been about five years now, believe it or not. I was teaching classes uh, before same day ACH came out. And I remember having a lawyer in the audience and he's like, well, faster than what? And I was like, well, well, it's faster than your regular ACH. Well, what's that really mean? Well, what's faster really mean to you? Because when you look at it, it depends on your use case. Same day ACH is a faster ACH, but is it really a faster payment? Now I say it is because it is faster than classic ACH, but I will have to say that same day ACH is not an instant payment. It's not done in real time. It is done only on business days and only during our windows, but there are some guarantees and things that we know and how it will work. Whereas when I look at FedNow and I look at the speed that comes with it, it's gonna be available 24-7, 365, and of course, 366 on leap years. What's that really mean? It means I know that I can make a payment and it will take place in seconds. We're talking really around 20 seconds. And I have the guarantee of knowing too that assuming everything goes right, of course, that you know there's no legal actions on the account I'm sending it to and that the account does exist, that that person's gonna have that money, that it's gonna be in their hands within seconds. So it gives me that instant. It gives me that real-time capability. In fact, we call FedNow payments instant payments. So they're instant. They're going to take place right then and there. I also know settlement's going to take place right then and there at the time that it takes place. So for the financial institution level, there's the guarantee that, hey, I don't have to worry about the settlement of these funds taking place at a later date. Back to same day ACH, we have settlement times that throughout the day, different periods, depending on the same day ACH window, when it's going to take place. I do also have guarantees of when the funds should be made available, but those are at certain time frames, not instantaneously. And it's also going to be limited to just business days, whereas FedNow, anytime, all the time.
Awesome. All right, and Kevin, you also mentioned in the webinar that FedNow is an open system rather than a closed system. So what does having an open system mean for cash flow at our institutions? Okay, for financial institutions, first of all, we want the money to stay within the institution. We know that there are federal regulations that are out there. There's a lot of state laws too, depending on where you're at, that protect your account holders when the money is there at your institution within your organization. Now, when it leaves and it goes to one of these, let's call it these apps that are out there that you download in the app store that you put on some of these other digital wallets, that same protection is not there. That money is no longer working for the account holder either. So there's not the same level of protection. There are some they're the, the, from the networks themselves, but it's, it's limited. And those other, let's call them apps that are out there, they are closed networks, which means you've got to pull money from your financial institution, from your account at your financial institution into these closed systems so that you can then exchange that money with other people that are in that closed network. So it's closed off just to the people that are there. And it's only available to the people that sign up and download and use that particular type of app. Now, when we look at an open system, it does require signing up for a service. You will have to have your financial institution signed up for the FedNow service. So I gotta be transparent on that. However, it's open to all financial institutions within the US. We're talking 10,000 plus endpoints that it'll be able to reach. You don't have to have the specific app that the other person is using who may be banking at a different financial institution to be able to do the exchange. You just have to be able to have your financial institution on the FedNow service to be able to send using a FedNow application or a FedNow service that can be offered by multiple different service providers out there through your financial institution to you. So you're not restricted to a single app. And, oh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that uncomfortable conversation. It's like, so um, you owe me for, I recently did this actually at a men's retreat. You owe me for, uh, you know, for another $50 in the food bill here and uh, you're out of cash. How would you like to give me that money? And we had to go through the list of, do you have this app? Nope. Do you have this app? Nope. Do you have this app? Yeah, I do have that one before they were able to finally send it to me. Whereas we look at that, that you know, being a closed network, we go to the open network concept and suddenly he just has to be with the financial institution that offers the FedNow service. Whereas I'm on multiple ones that actually I know will be offering it too. And he's able to just instantly send it to me. Awesome. Now, um, as of right now, when this is being recorded, November of 2021, what is the current uh, credit transfer limits that FedNow is allowing? And will we as institutions be able to set our own credit transfer limits? Okay, that is a great question because the answer is I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to tell you here why I don't know. Let me unpack that a little bit for you. When FedNow was first announced, there was an announcement of it would have a $25,000 per transaction limit. That was when it was first announced. Now, at that time, that was, you know, if you look back in uh, uh, other faster systems, uh, when it was first announced, we were looking at, you know, research being done of comparative systems, the same day ACH having 
earlier a $25,000 limit. It currently has a $100,000 limit and will be going to a million in 2022. We look at RTP. It first launched with a $25,000 limit and then rose to a $100,000 limit where it is currently. And there is discussion, not official, nothing official yet, but discussion within the clearinghouse of rising the limit for an RTP to a million as well. Now, when we look at Fed, well, Fed now says we don't know yet because it's coming in 2023. What they're doing is they're saying we don't know yet. We're going to look at what is happening around the industry. Look at the other payment channels like the previously mentioned same day CH, RTP. Look at what the fraud controls are and they'll set an appropriate limit for the industry at the time. I honestly believe it's going to probably start off personal opinion here at around 150 grand, 200 grand, something like that, just based off of what we will already have seen within RTP and within same day CH. Now, that's a limit that is the maximum limit for just the network itself, and it could be much higher. Whereas your financial institution, you're going to want to stop and you're going to want to go, hey, okay, what do my account holders really need as far as limits? What's going to be a reasonable limit for them. I would also point out that the risk is, well, there's really not any risk because you only allow them to send money they have. So there's a, the credit risk that exists there is only let them send money they have, which means you could really allow them to send up to the maximum that's available. But because we want to make sure, hey, what if it's not them? What if it's somebody trying to move the money out? You can set whatever you would consider to be reasonable limits. So you can have a much lower limit. If the Fed comes out with a $100,000 limit, you decide 10,000 is the maximum we're going to allow for our account holders, you will have that capability of doing that. But for right now, we don't know what the Fed's going to come out with, but you will be able to do your research, look at what your trends are, and determine what's appropriate limits for your account holders, business or consumer. Excellent. All right. Well, last but certainly not least, I would like to take a moment to allow our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better, Kevin. So um, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into the payments industry to begin with and what makes you so passionate about it? Wow, that's a, okay. Here you go. How did I get in the payments industry? It was by total accident because I needed a job. And, and I know so many people probably say that, you know, I wasn't in preschool going, oh, I'm going to be the payments professor one day. In fact, what I was doing is I was working at a technical college. I, I got my degree a little bit later in life, uh, you know, well, not straight out of high school, at least. And I was working at a technical college and I was teaching computers to people, computer networking in the 90s, uh, you know, because computers were the thing to get a degree in. So I got a degree. I, I needed a job. I got a job teaching at a technical college. One of my students happened to be visually impaired. Because, you know, American Disabilities Act, you got to treat everybody equally. So I'm working on computers, teaching people computers, and I've got a student who can't see a computer but has to be able to build it. So I worked with him by going home every night. I put on a blindfold and I'd figure out how can I build this computer and then taught him how to be able to build computers, be able to network computers and all of that. Real huge success in my life, something that I still think about today. Uh, I still am in contact with him, too, to this day, because he's somebody who helped me see things I never saw before in life. And I did all of that. We had huge success. And then my class got canceled. Yeah, great success story right there. State um, happened to cancel it, the state I was living in at the time. Let's not throw any state under the bus here. Uh, they canceled my class, canceled the course, and 
Next thing we know, it's in the news though that I'd help the student to be able to have that success. And this software, this, this financial institution software company owner shows up at my classroom door the day after it runs in the paper and he says, if you can help people who can't see computers, I got some people that need your help in our industry. And I was like, okay, well, I need a job. Suddenly here I am working on an ACH platform as far as being able to design the educational programs for how ACH works. And we're talking Windows 95, Windows 98 days when it was installed at every single business location. And uh, it, it just, it, it stuck. And he even, he's like, you understand all this? And I was like, yes, it makes sense to me. So it was like a language I was destined to come to know one day, I guess. Awesome. Well, it certainly shows you've been at it for a while. I, I certainly appreciate the uh, enthusiasm that it comes with uh, making these payment processes a little bit easier to understand for all the rest of us out here. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't have to be so complicated. It, it should be fun. And I think learning should be fun and a little entertaining, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I sure appreciate it, Kevin. And Kevin, I sure appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. And all our participants, you can access and purchase Kevin's webinar, FedNow, Faster Payments, Future Feasibility, at our website using the link in our show notes. You can also visit us at cuwebtraining.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook on the Credit Union Webinar Network pages. Before I sign off, I would like to thank all of our state association partners, our topic experts, and you, the listeners. Thank you for all that you do to support your members. Thanks for listening in.